Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Hughes 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. I have a question for you. Yes. All right. Let's say you're sitting down to Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Let's say this is a year where there's not COVID and you're at someone else's house, all right? Oh. Okay, so you're sitting down to someone else's Thanksgiving. Yep. What dish could they place in front of you that it doesn't matter how much you like this person, you would not eat it? Green bean casserole. Really? Yes. What's in that? Green beans, obviously. Was yep. it cheese, maybe? I don't know. I don't like green beans, so... I see. I think I could actually do a green bean nope. casserole, unless, unless, unless there were marshmallows in it. Ew! Right? Why would you put marshmallows with green? Why beans? would you put marshmallows in anything? It's just... um s'mores. Hello. Okay, s'mores are fantastic, <laughs> but yes, not in a casserole. Like people put marshmallows in casseroles sometimes. What? Why would you want more sugar in your? That's what I'm wondering. With your vegetables or see, something. that's like... just wrong. It's just it's just a wrong. It's thing a dessert. To do. Right. Marshmallows are a dessert. Right. It's all sugar. That's what I'm just talking about. Yes. So it could be that. Uh, oh, and it, you know what I really don't like? And, and now people are just going to switch off the, the podcast and be like, well, I can't listen to these people. They're crazy. <laughs> um, sweet potato. Oh, I can't either. I don't like sweet potato. Yeah. I like potatoes. Potatoes are great. I love sweet things. Sure. I can't have them together. Why would they go together? It's I a terrible know. idea. But yeah, there's a lot of people that love sweet potatoes. Oh, they adore them. And then it's just endless sweet potato. Here's another thing you can do with oh, sweet potatoes. Oh, I can't potatoes. wait for the hate mail we get. How dare you oh, speak ill no. of sweet potatoes. Man, big sweet potato. That lobby is going to get us so hard. So folks, <laughs> that, that be- and the green beans. <laughs> that and the green bean lobby. That's true. <laughs> big green bean. Got to you. Uh, before they do get to us, we should probably say what this podcast is then. Uh, I'm Betsy. Who are you? I'm, well, if they're going to yell at me, I'm going to be George today. Okay, that's George, <laughs> aka Kate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we talk about not, well, what do, we, what do we talk about? Things you don't like to eat at Thanksgiving. All the time. I mean, that's basically like 90% of my conversation <laughs> in a given day. But beyond that, in this particular situation, oh, what do we talk about? Children's picture books. And? If they're good. Or? Not. Quite. <laughs> And let's see, you had requested that we do a Thanksgiving picture book, which was very exciting because we have never, I don't think ever, ever, ever done a Thanksgiving picture book on the show. You do books about food and then you say, this is Thanksgiving-ish because both things involve food. Yeah, if there's any kind of a feast (laughs) in a children's book, I'm always like, hey, make a good Thanksgiving, and then we just don't do it. But a book specifically... That you, it would be weird to read at any other time of the year but Thanksgiving. This was a book that I would pull out every year when I was a children's librarian because it was in the Thanksgiving section. Um, it probably is significant that it was never so worn down that we ever had to replace it, but that's okay because we would pull it out and people would check it out. And I'm going to bring it out for you today. It's part of a series. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Cranberry Thanksgiving by Wendy and Harry Delvin. Devlin. Devlin. Oh, 
the Devlin little, went down to was, Georgia. It's a little yes. dyslexic there. I, it's a little. L it's a weird. B. Yeah, the I over Devlin is. Yeah, it looks is, like an accent. It looks like an accent, and I'm not sure how you would pronounce an I if it had an accent like Devlin? that. Devlin. Devlin. <laughs> Le Devlin. Wendy and Harry Devlin. Right, because Wendy doesn't um, end with a Y. It ends with an E. I still don't understand what's going on there. Maybe it was the hip way to spell it back in Checking Notes, 1971. Whoa. So, yeah, this one's a little bit old. We got a little bit of an oldie here. Uh, an oldie, but a goodie, because I guess it's still in print. Um, we'll decide if it's good or not. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just hand it to you. You determine if it's any good or not. All right. All right. While Kate does her read, let's talk a little bit about Wendy and Harry Devlin, two people I knew absolutely nothing about prior to recording this podcast. And that might be because nothing happened to them. They didn't murder anybody. They weren't murdered. Uh, Nobody had a scandal. They didn't steal any portraits. Nothing. As it happens, they seemed like two perfectly nice people. They went to Syracuse University. They got degrees in fine arts. They became painters. They moved to New Jersey. They had seven freaking children. They had a syndicated comic strip called Ragmop, based on aforementioned children here. Uh, and then for about 30 years, from about eh, roughly 30 years, 1963 to about 1995, they just wrote picture books. They are probably best known for their Cranberry series and for, yes, it is a whole series, and uh, their Old Witch series. Now... This is what's kind of fascinating. One of their books, which apparently was one of these old witch books, is better remembered, the thing that I looked up said, as Blueberry Pancake Witch. Now, the minute I read that, a weird little light bulb went off in my head. When I was a kid, and I was explaining this to my children, when I was a kid, we had film strips that we'd watch in school rather than learn. And a lot of them were based on picture books. One of them, I remember very clearly, was about a witch who made magical blueberry pancakes. And I do believe, if I am not much mistaken, that it must have been based on the book by Wendy and Harry Devlin. So, I am very pleased. I have solved a lifelong mystery that I didn't know needed solving, all thanks to the happy couple that I'm discussing with you here today. Thank you, Wendy and Harry Devlin. Thank you. See, I was thinking of like when we came back of like singing the turkey song from Bob's Burgers, but I don't oh. know it well enough. Can you sing it? I thought, oh, you know the one that the wife sings? Yeah. Pass the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Ooh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being there. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole world's thanking us for thanking us for thanking you. Kill the turkey. Perfect. There's also the the turkey song from M's Family, which is a classic Thanksgiving movie. Oh, it is a classic Thanksgiving movie. I Eat like the... me. <laughs> Eat me. Eat me. No, see, the reason I like the Bob Burgers version is that um, the National uh, did a version of it where it was super slowed down and it's very deadly serious. Okay. And uh, and I enjoy it very, very much. So uh, we can put some, some notes into that in the old show notes, but... Hey, that one was perfect because you began talking about the cranberry sauce, and that's in the title. Cranberry. It is. It is. So this takes place in New England. Okay. Where apparently it's Thanksgiving Day, mm-hmm. and you don't need a jacket. Never. 
Well, no, look, the sailor guy, um, he has so many whiskers, I'm sure it warms But the girl. Him. The girl is ridiculous. Yeah. Who is, like, she's wearing a thin, thin white blouse with a kind of a red jumper. And, and black tights. some tights. Yeah. Because it's not cold, even though all the leaves are gone. All the leaves. Right. So it's New England. I'm freezing just looking at her. They are by a cranberry bog. That's cool. That and, is cool. And the very first page, I didn't know if this was um, a hill or a tsunami that was headed their way. <laughs> <laughs> Why not have both? <laughs> All right. Wow. So- it does look like a tsunami. <laughs> I guess it's the bog. Oh, okay. I just get to say the word bog. That's all I want. So we meet these two characters, Maggie, who's probably like a preteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, she's like 12. And Mr. Whiskers, whose real name is Uriah Peabody. Do you know what the name Uriah means? No, what does it mean? It's a Hebrew name for flame of God. Oh, well, he is sort of like a flame of God in this book. I'm going to give him that. Sure. But his name is Mr. Whiskers because he's got like a full, he has whiskers. full beard, full the mustache. The girl is full... not that original when it comes to the nickname. Well, yeah. she said that she's known him. She said that she's been calling him Mr. Whiskers ever since she could remember. Now, hold hold on to that because I, okay. I have a theory. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Continue. So Maggie lives with her grandmother, Mm -hmm. and her grandmother does not like Mr. Whiskers for for some reason Mm. that I will get to that is strictly my own personal opinion, has nothing to do with the actual story. Okay. But um, the grandmother is known for making this amazing cranberry bread, and everyone like all over the, the countryside knows about her recipe. They try and get their hands on it. They try to buy it from her. She says no. She hides the recipe in a brick in the fireplace. You ever get the feeling that brick is going to be used to like bash her head in someday? Because like, Betsy. I'm sorry. If clearly Jeez, this is the most... you went dark quick. I'm sorry, but this is the most desired recipe like like beyond anything else right, like, people which, are willing to do anything to get their hands on it right which plays into later in the story right. but i'm just uh, saying if this was an agatha christie book i know how the woman would die but, that's what i'm saying <laughs> but she says that you know a lot of people would like to get hands on my recipe especially maggie's clam digging friend mr whiskers and i'm like that sounds like an that's- insult but that's actually his job because yeah. he's a, like a sea captain. Yeah, he may actually dig some clams. I right, mean, but clams are delicious. But I, I, I want you to use that as an insult now, moving forward. Like you clam digger. Oh, how dare you, man! <laughs> the grandmother is so rude, though, because Ugh. she sees Mister Whiskers out of her window. Like he's just minding his own business. He literally is doing nothing but his and own business. And she's yelling, "Scat! Shoo!" Like he's a I'm cat. Like, right. I'm like, can all because he has a mustache and a beard? Maybe she just doesn't like beards. I don't know. Well, they it's Christmas Day and No, Thanksgiving Day. Sorry, Thanksgiving Day. And they've <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Are you weird? <laughs> and the grandma has told Maggie to invite someone that is either poor or lonely and she'll do the same so that every year they can bring someone who would like a home cooked meal. The grandmother invited Mr. Horace, mm. who's staying in the town hotel. And if you look at grandma's face, oh, she's totally got oh, a crush on him. She is smitten. She hasn't blushed like that since 1947, I mean, all right? have you seen his Nehru suit? I'm just saying. Right. Look at that guy. That's a pomaded hair that's going on there. So the, at this point, the Maggie says, well, I invited, you know, I, I invited Mr. Whiskers. He hasn't had a Thanksgiving dinner in 20 years. 
so here's my theory. You want to hear my theory? Yeah, tell me your theory. Grandmother and Mr. Whiskers had a one-night stand oh my. about 12 years ago. Uh-huh. And that one-night stand <laughs> produced Maggie. Wait. But then, and then she's just like, your parents abandoned you. I'm raising you as my own, but I'm your yes, grandmother. exactly. Because see my... Her face in this picture, shockingly unlined. And no yet she wrinkles. And she has the whitest... The whitest hey, we all, bunned we hair. Get white early, all right. Oh happens. yeah, no, I'm saying, but she like, I she, maybe she dyed her hair. I think white. what happened, you know, Mr. Whiskers, he got scared mm-hmm. and he ran away, oh. and so she had to like raise Maggie all by herself. Man, you can't blame her then for not and liking. And then Mr. The guy. Whisker comes back into Maggie's life, and the grandmother hasn't forgiven him. Exactly. Who could? Right. I mean, he just took off. Right. She did all the work. And now she's inviting other men in front of him, just right. to like parade them in she front of him. She invited yeah. Mr. Horace, who mm-hmm. in the movie would be played by John Cleese. <laughs> a young John Cleese. Yes. Yes. Who smells like lavender and has a gold cane, even though he doesn't need it. He just has one. He just has a pimp cane. <laughs> yeah. Well, he smells like lavender, so right. you know, that's a very interesting smell. And brought a gift. Yeah, which they never say what it is. He just... Yeah, what was that? I don't know. Huh. He just brought a gift. Interesting. So, uh, you know, they, they all get ready to eat this Thanksgiving dinner. They sing some hymns like <laughs> We Gather Together. That would be so awkward if you were sitting down to a dinner at someone else's house and they're like, now we're going to sing some hymns. And right. It's like, okay, you know, know the, You know the words, don't you? Uh, well, sure, I'll just... Uh... Well, Mr. Whiskers wants to sing 16 Men on a Dead Man's Chest. Nobody knows all the words to that. And, uh, and both and Mr. Horace and Grandmother are like, really? Like, that's rude. It's anyway, rude. so Maggie tries to like ease the tension in the room by just providing all the food on the table she brings out the turkey corn pudding peas cranberry jelly and turnips Mm, turnips Mm, nothing like my thanksgiving turnips and uh and mr horace says well we've all heard about your cranberry bread and the recipe hidden in the kitchen fireplace um so the guy staying in the hotel has not only heard about the bread and Knows that the recipe is hidden in the fireplace. Like this isn't much of a secret, people. No, apparently this is the best kept secret. You in just town wait till Grandma goes out to the grocery store. You break it and you get it because you know where it is. I mean, he, he didn't have to go through this whole charade of like attending dinner. Though I guess he gets free meal out of it. So you know. Oh, speaking of the charade, mm-hmm. um, as Maggie and the grandmother are in the kitchen putting the dishes away because they're women, the grandmother says, <laughs> "Watch that whiskers fellow," and Maggie cracks open the door to see like what's going on and she says grandmother he's found it and all of a sudden there's a chase i love a good chase during the holidays <laughs> and there's scuffling and there's shouting and there's falling chairs and then you got two men running in the front yard oh man this is exciting this is better than like the macy's day parade it's great <laughs> so we got these two men that are running around in circles and around then, the trees and then all of a sudden uh well maggie says oh you know, that that Mr. Horse, he's the one that took the recipe, not Mr. Whiskers. And Grandma's you like, "You and your assumptions, Granny." Right, and and Grandma's like, "Why would Mr. Horace take it?" And Maggie's like, "Cause he owns a bakery." Ooh. And the grandmother's like, "Um, you knew this?" <laughs> I imagine that he spoke at length about his bakery, and everyone was listening except for the grandmother, who was just hearing like. Da, 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 da. Whenever she looked at him, and little flowers. I think she was hearing. Exactly. 
But uh, yeah, so uh, Mr. Whiskers comes to the door, huffing and puffing with the recipe in hand and hor- holding Mr. Horace by the collar. By the collar of his and Nehru he, suit. And he, <laughs> and he looks very like victorious while Mr. Horace looks very deflated. and de- Yes, deflated and disheveled. <laughs> And uh, and they take your gold. Yeah, top grandmother game. kicks him out of the house, and and I, I love that Mr. Horace is still. He's like outside of the front door. They've slammed the door on him. Mm-hmm. They've told him to get out. They've continued eating like the pumpkin pie, and like they've moved on. And mm-hmm. Mr. Horace is just whimpering. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, oh, I'm sorry. It says that there was a loud wail from Mr. Horace. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> like a dog at the night mr yeah. horse just can't accept the fact that he lost nobody wants him he should leave mm. this is a relevant mm. book isn't it betsy oh it is relevant my dear <laughs> I, so relevant except at the very end they're like well it is thanksgiving maybe we should let him in and they look at mr whiskers and say well what do you think and he says Maggie, open the door. We'll give him the last piece of the pie. And then grandmother says, How about sixteen men on a dead or sixteen men on a dead man's chest? Which maybe that was like the song that they made love to <laughs> those twelve years ago. That's awful. Yo ho ho. Oh, so that makes sense. All right. And a bottle of rum. That's what happened. One night stand. We have one bottle of rum. And they and they let him in. And then it ends with grandmother's famous cranberry bread recipe, which to me this recipe doesn't call for that much butter. It's only a quarter cup of butter. How much? How many sticks would that? That would be not. That's like half a stick. A half a stick for bread? I right? guess bread doesn't tend to have butter as much, though, right? It just seems like it'd be really dry. But, I don't but know. Bread, <laughs> but a bread recipe doesn't tend to have any butter at all, so I think that would make it more moist than usual. Well, I just can't imagine cranberry bread being that great. Well, I'm sorry, cranberry lovers. Let's get to the moral of the story. Oh, what's the moral of the story, Kate? The moral is never trust men who smell good or have gold mm. canes but cheap suits exactly the end it's so true so you notice there was a recipe in the back of this book um well turns out first of all this is the first in a series of other cranberry books oh. because apparently they realized we want to do more books with these characters but there's no like we didn't think to make up a series title and we called it cranberry thanksgiving Thanksgiving. because it's all about the cranberry breads by cranberry Uh bug so we'll just call the next one cranberry christmas that's what i would have done cranberry halloween and cranberry valentine's day so we could maybe see if your theory is true (laughs) should we ever be able to get our hands on old cranberry valentine's day um but each one has a recipe in the back and in fact they also had a witch series which apparently also always had a recipe in the back. Hmm. Um, guess that was just their thing. I mean, it, these days it's not a very novel idea, but maybe back then it was like a super, I don't think I've ever seen a really old. You've never shown me a book with a recipe, so. I've never shown you a book with a recipe? Oh, no. they're very common now. These days you can't sneeze without hitting five, that's a disgusting metaphor, <laughs> without hitting five different <laughs> picture books that are, have recipes in the back. But yeah, back then, eh, not all that common. Um, it is such a, it's funny. It's such a throwback book. It, it comes out in 1971. It feels older 
somehow. It's definitely got kind of a classic-y kind of feel to it. I just imagine the fact that, like, you know, we did John Steptoe's Stevie, um, and that book came out in 1969, which was, you know, two good two years before this one. And it's just weird to think of, like, books that are, like, dealing with the realism of life, and then you've got a book like this that is clearly just sort of like, let's tell a fun story about Thanksgiving! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is exact. Oh, that's the music I should have done when they were running around the tree. That's exactly what I should have done. Letters. I'm sorry, not letters. I'm ratings time. Yeah, we got to rate this. Sorry, I forgot the rating part. Yes. So, I mean, the, for a Thanksgiving book, I gave this a seven. Mm-hmm. For a, a year-round book, I gave it a five. So overall, I guess it's a six. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, you know, it's okay. Uh, it's an enjoyable story. It's it's beautifully illustrated. There's a one picture in there where everyone is silhouettes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, an interesting sort of shift um, because you're just so used to this artistic style. It's it's beautifully rendered. The backgrounds and the details of, of the scenery with the possible exception of that bog tsunami that you found uh, <laughs> is quite lovely. I don't know about the story. I'm not, I'm not terribly entranced by it. It's fine. Um, for the holiday, it's fine. Um, but I'm, I'm a four. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess your four and my six is a just barely barely a toe over. I guess for in terms of Thanksgiving, if you just read I can't it, think of a better. If, so. you, if you just read it with the uh, the mindset of this is you know a, a love story gone wrong, and you, <laughs> it, it makes it much more interesting. Well, I certainly at the end thought that there might be something going on between the two of them, but I wasn't so sure before that. So, all right. Letters time. Okay, so uh, we got quite the comment and quite the insightful comment, I would say, on the old Instagram. Mm-hmm. I feel like there should there should be an old fashioned way to say Instagram, but I couldn't think on the what gram. It was. On the gram, <laughs> that's Insta. Uh, from Miss uh, Sarah Brannon. So Sarah Brannon wrote, and she said, "I so enjoy your podcast. I feel like you talk more." Uh, Talk about more books by men than by women, so I counted. My admittedly hasty count is 71 appearances by female authors and or illustrators, and 130, jeez, uh-huh, like pretty much twice, by male authors and or illustrators. I counted one appearance by book, so Sendak counts for five, etc. Why do you think that is? As far as I can tell, the children's book business is about 90% women. And uh, this is very interesting. It actually taps into... Uh, a long-standing problem with a disparity with none other than the Caldecott Award. You you recall the Caldecott? That's a, yeah, it's a that's, shiny thing. That's a shiny thing. That's the award for picture books given to, to people every year. And a lot, particularly recently, people have been noticing the disparity. So I found a fascinating blog post from 2018, so not that long ago, by a Miss uh, Christine Taylor Butler. She did the math. And what she found was that uh, at that time, the committee had bestowed 81 medals and 261 honor books. And so 54 of the medals uh, have gone to men, 21 of the medals have gone to women, uh, and then six medals went to illustrator pairs, often husband and wife. So 67% of the medals are going to men. She's got a whole uh, graph of the Caldecott winners by gender, I will show it to you here. As you can't can go see. wrong with the graph. The graph is very good. Gotta love data. Yep. She had a, Ooh, she and had, a pie graph and a, pie and a bar chart. Graph. We will have a link to all of this on here. And she just 
keeps looking. She's like, women received solo medals 10 times in the first 31 years. Uh, it took 48 additional years from 1970 to 2008 for the 11 additional medals to be awarded to women. <laughs> okay, but why? Why is an excellent question. Now, it was implied that um, there are more women than men in the business. I think that is certainly true on the publisher side, certainly the librarian side, and maybe to a certain extent the teacher side as well. When it comes to the creators, there are a fair amount of men. Now, this is where it gets interesting. The Newberry tends to skew towards women. I don't think at the same rate. Um, and I haven't seen the numbers, anyone do the numbers for that. But this complaint does not really apply as much to the Newberry. But for the Caldecott, yeah, the question is, why do people consistently praise the men and then just sort of ignore the women? And I can't say that we're not guilty of that. We are. We are guilty of that. And I'm the one who does the selection. Yep. Um, to be fair, I tend to select things that people have already determined to be classics and just go with those. I don't really, I hadn't really thought about gender. And of course, we can skew these results now that we've seen them. So I vow to do more ladies. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh but not next week. I've already got. <laughs> an, I, okay, we're actually not recording next week, probably because we've had we have a holiday on our usual uh, recording. Oh day. yeah, yeah, that thing. So probably we'll not recording next time around, but that's okay. Next, yeah, after yeah, that. Okay. we'll take a week off. But after that, and I've got a, I've got a very very good one for for after that. So Ooh. and I will try to do more of the ladies. So thank you, Sarah, for pointing it out. Yes, it is not something you. I'd ever noticed, uh, and I will strive to do better grown-up things we like you go first mm, okay so the thing that's been blowing up my instagram and my twitter and everything uh this week has been uh the crown uh and the fact that it's finally gotten to the point where it's talking about princess die mm -hmm. and so i've suddenly I'm, i've been seeing for the first time ever i'd say prince charles showing up on twitter and and people being like boo <laughs> dude prince charles um but to get a true understanding of the entire Princess Di saga, I am directing you to a podcast that I uh, mentioned before that I very much love, but they have done a five-part series on Princess Diana and everything you ever wanted to know about her, if you ever were confused. Um, and it's the, the podcast you're wrong about. And literally, five-part series, many times um, directed by, here is a famous photograph of her, let's talk about the context around this. As they say on the podcast, you can be a hot mess and still leave the world better than you found it. Um, compassionate snark is the, is the best way to describe this series. They have infinite loads of understanding for the people involved, while at the same time, not excusing bad behavior. I have learned so much stuff that I sort of only understood on the peripheries because of it. So that is my recommendation. Go find yourself uh, the Princess Die episodes of You're Wrong About. Okay. Well, last week I did, um, I recommended someone you should follow on Instagram. I have another one that I recommend. Oh, good. I like, the, I like the last one. Well, this one is, have you ever heard about Bunny the dog? No. Okay. So there's this dog that has been trained to hit certain buttons that the dog's trainer has Oh, is this recorded. the one that can talk? Yeah. Yeah, so, I've only seen one of these. Yeah. So the Instagram handle is what underscore about underscore bunny. 
And it's very interesting because, you know, she now, the owner is now working with different scientists to try and understand what dogs can comprehend. Mm -hmm. Like yesterday, today, tomorrow, you know, why, you know, such existential questions. But it's really entertaining because sometimes the dog will just press the buttons for um, now, outside, want. (laughs) And then it'll just stare at the owner like, okay, okay then. Oh, and I, oh. I put on my Insta- or I put on my Amazon wish list some buttons that you can get your dog to record your own voice to have oh, the dog train. So fun. maybe I'll go down this path. But check out the Instagram because it's pretty funny to see what this dog can like come up with um, mm-hmm. on its own. Sounds without- like Coco the kittens in, in a way, but not. I'm not sorry, Coco the gorilla who yeah. had a kitten. Yeah, well, Coco yeah. knew sign language, right? And yeah. now Bunny the dog is learning like voice commands through buttons. And right. I just thought it was really interesting. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah. Good recommendation. Thank you. Yes. So as you said, next week we're going to be off because yep, of Thanksgiving. We'll be off. Yep. Mm-hmm. So don't look for us then. But after that, we will be back. We will be full of turkey and ready to go with a not f- female author. <laughs> Yes, sorry, but dead, <laughs> but but by gum after that. Oh, Ooh, that the means we're ladies, gonna get, I will find. We're gonna for get you. into like the Christmas Hanukkah books now. Oh, we're getting close. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are. Well, pl- plenty of ladies have done books like that. So cool, easy peasy. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and until then, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse Eight and Kate is a Fuse Number Eight production. You can reach us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8, Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our COVID-cautious co-worker is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.